that's one of those things where, I mean, is this a life well lived? I mean, we think we know what the answer is. We want to say yes, but it's messy, right? And you're like, how does all that fit? Because you have all these obstacles that kind of come in the way. And so when I think about legacy and how to define that, I'm so glad that Colonel and his team is going to kind of help us define it. But I think about that Supreme Court justice was when he was asked to define pornography, and he's like, it's hard to define it, but I know it when I see it. That's how I kind of see legacy. It's hard for me to get my hands wrapped around what is that, but I know it when I see it. And I think the experience we're going to have tonight is to get a little bit more insight. We're going to have a little bit better definition of what it is. So, Mike, could you throw my pictures up? So I I had another thing. I went out to Fort Carson with a bunch of Army guys, and they tried to kill me at this thing's called the Spartan Military Race. And so I'm like, how do I tie this back in? And so for me, it's just it's these obstacles of life. And, you know, are you willing to, to put in that hard work and get dirty to finish it? Like, how are we doing? While he's pulling that up, I also wanted to put a value on what tonight is. So I told you guys before, I do executive coaching um, just for major corporations. And so I want to tell you, if, if you had to pay to come get the information you were going to get tonight, how much would you have to pay? So there's eight guys that are going to be up here. And at the level of their experience within corporate America, on a low end, I kid you not, low end, each one of these guys would be compensated at least $5,000 for this one hour. At least. Right? Some of the top guys get closer to 10. So Colonel's like, yeah, make the check out too. Right? So $5,000, there's eight guys, that's forty grand. There's roughly 50 of us, which means it would cost us 800 bucks a piece to be in this room. So I want to raise the bar of the expectation. I'm going to hand out these, um, these cards and some pens. So we'll just kind of rotate that. And as, as the colonel's going through this, this definition and what a legacy looks like, be thinking of a question you want to ask. And so we can just kind of send them down. I'll start collecting those. And then they're just going to have a live panel. Again, you paid 800 bucks to be here. Ask a question. Seriously, right? Yeah, so that would, this was toward the end, jumping over fire. I lost some leg hair on that one. Going through a, a mud pit. Again, these are just, I think this was the fourth infantry that put these obstacles together. All right, next one, Mike. Then there was an angry Asian that uh, tried to hurt me. And you can, go, you can go to the next one. I was able to block it and, and come on through. I think there's one more, or is that it? Yeah, that's it. Anyway, so that's just my version. You know, again, I'm a knucklehead, and I'm looking for how can I live this stuff out. Life is hard, and life is messy. So I'm looking forward to this. So think about these two things, and I'm going to turn it over to the colonel. Legacy is not about fans, fame, and fortune. It's about faith, family, and friends. So I read that quote earlier today. So, colonel, come on up. The mic's yours. And again, as, as he and his team are going through, write down questions and, and challenge these guys. These guys can take it, I'm sure, right, Colonel? Absolutely. Bring it. Bring it, bring it, bring it. All right, here we go. Um, most of you guys are, especially the young guys, are used to uh, getting a lot of information off a blog spot, a blog site. Tonight you'll get it just from a bog sat. 
which is just a bunch of old guys sitting around a table. So <laughs> we'd like this to be very um, interactive. We're going to try to get as many of us into this uh, mix as we can. This is not well rehearsed. Uh, $800 is a little high, in my opinion. <laughs> so, but we are going to try to uh, talk about and present some of the things we've been working on at our table called the Legacy Group for the last uh, couple months. So let me introduce this group of uh, eight. So Gary, you want to come on up? We're just going to have them stand here because this is going to be fairly interactive. Steve, Jack, Daryl, uh, Bud, Rob, and Al Chong. How are you coming up? Now, I have to confess uh, one thing. I, f I forgot my Bible. <laughs> So I'm going to ask, no, I, if you'll just be prepared to read it, when, when I show you what to read, I'd really appreciate that. And we'll just see how fast you can get to these places in the Bible. It's pretty important, I think, to work through the Bible. So I'm going to ask for you to read in a, you know, a little bit, and I'd appreciate just being able to do that. That would help us out a lot. So you guys can just kind of lean up against there and sit down. This is going to be very informal. And I'd like to, I'd like to reemphasize um, what Dean said, that we really would like this to be questions and answers so you can write those if you feel inclined you can ask on the spot doesn't matter to us right there but at the end we're then going to give you an opportunity to break up if we want to do that with with what we think are seven or eight stages of life that we think are pretty important to talk about as we defined as we define legacy okay i'm going to try to do this on powerpoint mike are you with me over here okay why don't you go to that first slide so a little bit, um, we're going to do this in a simple drawing. And uh, I hope you can stay with me here. I'm going to try to build this so it makes a little bit of sense. But we spent a lot of time just kind of drawing this all out, trying to get in our head. What's, what's it even mean, that, uh, this idea of what legacy is all about? Uh, you're, you're ahead of me just a little bit. Okay. Back, back up. One, one. Okay. We got a line. We drew a line. Uh, most of the guys... Uh, up here, are kind of way at the far end of that line of life. What we realized is we have a very blurred view looking that way. What we also realized, though, is we've got 20-20 vision looking backwards. So tonight what we'd like to do is the group, uh, the bog sat, the bunch of old guys sitting around the table, we'd like to be able to, just to present to you some thoughts that we have, especially for you young men about legacy and what that really means. Okay, so let's, here's what happened, Mike. What happened, we spent about four or five, six Wednesday evenings trying to figure out what legacy even meant. And we talked about things like, well, legacy means that's what they're going to say at my funeral. Or that's what my, I'm going to inherit from uh, my family. Or... Those are the ethics that I've been passed down, my work ethic or my set of values. So we had this great discussion. We, we just kind of floundered with that. And finally, a couple of things began to occur to, to us. Whenever we ask somebody at our table to talk about their legacy, their reference was always to their father. That should have been a signal for us. So we decided maybe we ought to ask the father 
Instead of us trying to figure it out in earthly terms, let's go find out what our father, what our real father says about legacy. Not only that, but we're the wise guys, or at least that's the old wise guys, Dean. Uh, we said, let's go ask the wise guy. So we went to Solomon and Proverbs 3. Slide, please. Next slide. Somebody read this for me, if you would. I think we've read this. The interesting thing is, since we got this idea, this piece of scripture has been read probably ten times in this group. So somebody read that for me, if they wouldn't mind. Okay, stop just a minute now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. He's going to make the path for us if we trust in him. And this path, we believe, becomes, and how well we abide by that and trust in the Lord and follow that path is what's going to define our legacy. So let's walk through that a little bit. Next slide. Let's just take a picture here. This, this is a representation of Proverbs 3. He's going to lead us in a path if we trust him. But what is the, where is it going? What's it leading to? And what's that all about? This is a little bit of kind of personal theology. I don't want to get into deep theology, but let me just talk about a few things that I think this believes and we've kind of thrown around. Uh, next slide. At the time of our conversion, when we're born again, we accept the Lord. We are fully justified in the Lord. That means that we're fully brought to righteousness. That's the bottom line now. So instead of that just being a timeline, let's look at that as a, as a reference point for the time that we gave ourselves to the Lord, full conversion, and the Lord, we were given full justification to the Lord, fully justified. Everybody, everybody understand that and kind of agrees with me. We're set righteous at that point in time. The path then, what's the path lead us to? Well, I believe what that path says is it's the direction and the path towards full sanctification. It is a path of growing more holy with the Lord. It is the path where we replicate the life of Jesus Christ. Notice how straight the path is. He will make straight the path. The paths are laid out for us if we believe in him. Now, I don't want to go too deep. There, there are people who may not believe exactly in that theology, but I do believe most of us agree that we're to move closer to the Lord in sanctification, to become more holy, to become more like him. And that's what I believe the path is, and I think this is the path when the Lord looks back at us. He's looking at how well did we, live, did we walk on that path. Next slide. The problem is we're broken. We're humans. We're, we're, by our very nature, we cannot walk that path completely right and completely straight. 
What there is, though, what we've discovered is this group of the bog sat, a bunch of old guys sitting around the table discovered there is a fairly predictable path that we follow. And we just like to offer those thoughts. This isn't perfect. It's nothing to be written into a book or anything like that by any means. It's simply some thoughts of, of the bog sat who don't know how to use the blog site. Okay, it's, that, it's exactly that. Okay, what we're going to do is walk along this path a little bit and talk primarily as observations in our own lives and in observations in presenting lessons learned to you about what this path looks like and then put it into perspective of what legacy really means. Okay, so next slide, please. And the next slide. Okay, we're going to, get, we're going to begin right here at the justification part. We'll just call this step one. I'm going to ask Steve, and if one of you will open up to uh, Joshua there, whatever that one says. 24-25. Can somebody read that? But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond Euphrates, Euphrates, or, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Okay, start point. Uh, the verse says, as for, it doesn't say as for we. What does it say, men? As for me. It's calling us to be the spiritual leader. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the start point for our legacy, I believe. I'm going to ask Steve Rannells to kind of bring this out in a little more detail for one or two minutes just to talk about what that might mean. Well, it all starts with a decision. And we have the prerogative to decide. Some of us do it younger, some of us do it older, but it takes a decision. As for me, I met the Lord when I was four. I met the Holy Spirit when I was 11. I accepted the Lord as the Lord of my life when I was 18. But I moved into a new relationship as a father of a young daughter. And I said, oh God, how do I give to my daughter that which you've imparted? And I began to decide then that as for me and my house, we would serve the Lord. And we would do that through sharing of life together. We'd do it sharing good times and bad times. We'd share it through successes and failures. And we'd share it through all the things that come with real life. And when the second daughter was born, I said, Oh, Lord, I already have the most wonderful daughter in the world. What would I do with a second daughter? And the Lord created her very unique. And so now I had a greater challenge. It's, Oh, God, I still have said, As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. And then the third daughter came. And I said, Oh, God, I'm a father of daughters. How do I lead them in a way that would be righteous? And I began to pray with that legacy at a teenage age, as early age, and I began to pray for their husbands. 
I said, God, these are strong girls. These are capable people. They're going to have to have strong guys to be able to lead them. Lord, you're going to have to prepare these men. Because what I learned is if a man doesn't lead, a woman will. However, she'll hate you for it, and you'll hate her for it. And I said, oh, God, these men that come in their lives have got to be people who are capable of leading. And I said, oh, Lord, how can that be? And the legacy of those daughters is that each of them are married now. We have eight grandchildren, six granddaughters. We specialize in girls and two grandsons, special guys. But all of them are in some kind of work in the Lord. One of them works as compassion as the international auditor. One of them heads a child's uh, ministry in a church of, called a gateway church in Austin, Texas. It deals with 1,200 children every weekend. The third one works for the, God, uh, for the uh, GMC network and does all the e-commerce for the electronic of a, of a godly TV station. They're all serving the Lord as a legacy that came out of the prayer for my children. The prayer that says, and I started walking that step, and I started up that path, and, and we had our ups and downs, and yet the direction was, we're going to serve the Lord. And how can we do that faithfully? Year in, year out, day in, day out, event after event, situation after situation. How can you serve the Lord? And that's where we find ourselves, walking in the ways of God. Let me turn it to the other one, because things change. They change, and they go in a different direction, and things will come in your life that challenge. And let's hear about that now. Okay, you see there now point number two, and how about hitting the next one as well, Mike? Um, so what happens then... We are along a path. Many of us have an opportunity to start or being fathered. Uh, you have a, a father who has led you uh, along this path. But what happens? Pr- very predictably. Sometimes it's at teenage years. Sometimes it's kids going away to college. What happens? We fall off. Sometimes we fall off completely. Sometimes we fall off to kind of a plateau. And I'd like, like Daryl uh, to talk about that. This is Daryl Gargala. So I kind of jumped into this group after they were gone for a few weeks, and I'm glad I did. It was a, a great place for me to end up, and uh, I learned a lot from them. But this model that Colin came in with one week, um, it, it's simple, but it, it really hits the point. And you can see at, at place two there we were talking about, and typically that's like an adolescent, early 20s, somewhere around there where you kind of get into a feeling yourself out, trying to figure out who you are, getting in a little more rebellious, trying to find your own way in life. And uh, I, I know for myself and some of the other guys in the group and a lot of people I know, um, that's kind of the typical path. You kind of fall away from your parents at that point although it still may be on your heart you may still uh, have all those the ethics and the values and everything that you were brought up with in in your household but as you get out on your own a lot of times um, depending on the environment that you end up with and the people that you're surrounded with that may be you may be pulled a little bit off of that that path 
that, uh, that God wants you to follow there. So uh, I know I definitely was um, while I was in, in college and then early on when I was in the military. Um, it wasn't necessarily the, the place, you know, to be. It was, it was a little more of a wild environment uh, when I was there. And um, I know I'm experiencing that with my, my boys that are both in their 20s now. I can tell they have the values. They have, you know, their, their faith. Their relation, you know, their private relationship with God, but I see them struggling with things in the environment that they're in uh, while they're out there on their own. I mean, they're still good people. They're, you know, they would do anything for anybody, but you can see them still struggling with that, trying to find their own way. So uh, I'm sure some of you can relate to that, either with yourselves or, you know, or with your your kids that you have. But um, and we kind of joked about it one week um, that oftentimes. You know, women, you know, because those are, that's one of the things, you know, you know, we talked about sex, power, and money as, as the evils that, that are out there tempting you a lot of times. But uh, we kind of joked how women can work both ways. I know it was a woman who kind of kicked me in the butt and got me looking back up on the path um, eventually. So it, it can work both ways. They can pull you away from the path or they can get you heading back toward the path. So... Thanks, Daryl. Um, okay, so you're, everybody tracking with me. This this very predictable path now. We're we're leading a life. We suddenly fall off. It may be that there's a there's a slight plateauing because it's written on the heart that we kind of stay at that level. Sometimes, notice though, we just fall completely off, completely walk away, turn our back on the Lord. We completely fall away, and we live a life. As, about as far down as we can be away from the Lord. And then something happens at point four. Uh, it's a crisis. It's a life crisis. I guess the biggest point that I touched on earlier is when we lost our granddaughter. Um, well, our whole family was up there and basically with the baby nonstop praying for her, uh, my son, I think he was about 16 at the time, and really impacted him, too, in the fact that just the time that we spent in prayer and um, just not seeing the results that we anticipated God giving us. Um, And it took me... uh, uh, a while to get over that because deep down even though I put on the fatherly figure type thing it wounded me and I had put the Lord kind of at arm's length and really didn't have a closeness with him for a several number of years and I'm not saying that you should fake things out but when, especially my son, when he was going through some trials in his life, what I would tell him to do is just trust in the Lord and stay steady. And that's what I did throughout that situation. Uh, We had the death of the granddaughter and then the turbulent times and the daughter's marriage and then the divorce. And it was the first time I was 
close to anything like that in divorce, and it was not a pretty thing. And things that were said were so hurtful and everything. And I think, just as a side note, that's what's so why the Lord is so against the Lord. It just isn't, it's a ripple effect. It affects so many people out there. But I did stay true to my medicine. I just trusted in the Lord and stayed steady. Uh, the daughter remarried, uh, had another little girl. And I said, oh, she was, my daughter uh, lives back in Detroit, and she was um, like a candy striper at a local hospital. They have a lot of crack babies. And she would go in and just hold these babies and rock them and, and take care of them. And then they uh, went through the process of being um, foster parents. And the baby that they're currently trying to adopt, her name is Nevea, And that's heaven spelled backwards. But just in the last six to eight months um, in my daughter's family, uh, how they've grown spiritually uh, through this whole thing. Her husband was born and raised in the Catholic Church, and about three weeks ago they had a, a hearing uh, about the, the baby and, and the visitation rights for the biological father. And uh, it was kind of a tense situation, and it turned out somewhat favorably. But... Uh, Son-in-law called me and said that he just called his wife and his daughters and said, let's just give thanks to the Lord for what he has done. So there are going to be events uh, in your lives, and some of them bigger than others. Um, And it's really how we handle the situation with our relationship with the Lord. The enemy's going to try to do anything and everything to drive a wedge for him. In me, he tried to start the one of distrust, not being able to trust the Lord. But in time and in prayer and seeking the Lord, uh, he restored me that I do have that trust again in the Lord. And realizing that what little capabilities I have as a man that really all of our lives and every part of our life is in his hand and we have to trust him I think that's it <laughs> okay it, let, me, let me just stop right here and make two points I think this, this is really important one is as we fall away by disobedience Isn't it a great thing that God gives us grace to return back to the path? He draws us back to the path. And how do we do that? All we have to do is trust in him. So the point is, this is going to happen. It's very, very predictable. I'm not trying to, by the way, breathe life into this predictable path by any means. I'm just saying when we look back on our lives, it's tough to stay on the straight path. But... If we disobey and fall off, it's not that Jesus cares who we are now. He cares about who we're becoming. He always cares about that. And he asks and expects us to finish strong. So let's go to the next point. 
what happens then is by grace, by God's grace, we're able to return to the path. I want to make just another observation here. Notice that we never get to the dotted line. There's always the extra measure that God has for us. Always that little bit more that he wants us to draw closer to. Always. That's the grace gap, we'll call that. So now we're at that point where we're, let's say for most of us, our experience was we're headed towards the end of life. We're on this path that looks pretty good. We've been restored to the path through the grace of God. And we find ourselves at kind of at that point number five. And then we'll also go ahead and show six and seven there, if you will. <clears throat> and I'm going to ask Bud Merch to talk about this real quick. Yeah, I want to tell you about a, about a man I know who is finishing well. Uh, he's about 10, 12 years older than I am. And uh, I meet with him a few hours every week mainly because his caregivers are all female and he needs some male conversation every now and then. And he's almost finished. He's in bed. As a matter of fact, uh, he's in a hospice care and can't get out of bed. He's got tubes everywhere. But he has a strong faith and he's not afraid of anything. But as I've gotten to know him, I've gotten to know a little bit about his legacy. And it's truly remarkable. This man was successful as a, as a real estate broker and the owner of a small town bank. And when he retired, he moved to uh, Colorado Springs to be with his family. And after a year or two of retirement, he decided he needed something to do. So he took a job, not really a job, it was a volunteer position, working in a middle school as a counselor, a mentor, and a friend to middle school boys who were in trouble. And he invested his life in dozens of these kids. And that becomes part of his legacy. So that part of him uh, will live on, even though he in all likelihood will finish his life in that bed. As a matter of fact, at the first of the year, he was given a couple of weeks left to live. And he may be around until Christmas. I don't know. But just a few days ago, I got to know his grandson, who is just finishing his first year in college. And he was telling me about his grandfather, whom he obviously loves. And he was saying that when he was just learning how to walk and became steady on his feet, his father, not his grandfather, his father was a hockey player. And his father got him some ice skates. And he has been playing hockey since he was a tot. And his, his father kind of left his life, and his grandfather kind of took over. And he would play hockey for as long as he was able. And uh, when he was no longer able to participate in the hockey with his grandson, he would go down in the basement, and uh, they would take shots at each other with a Nerf hockey puck. And it was so clear that this man is going to live in his grandson. Do you see that? So it's just a remarkable story. I don't know when it's going to end, but probably soon. And he will have a legacy that will live on for a long, long time.
So here we are at the end of this, and notice the potential for what happens. We become prideful, we become arrogant, we become apathetic, and all of a sudden there's potential for falling off again. We become attracted to a woman, attracted to something else, struck by the enemy at the end of life. And it's, it's on our heart to make sure that all of us understand, especially the, the younger people, that that's at six and seven is not where we want to go. We want to finish strong. Okay, let me just close. Any questions on that, or does that, please? I had had one that I had thought of. It's on expectations. And just now, I was sitting here thinking about this. We're recording this. We're recording this, so to be able to pick everything up, we have to use the mic. I know it's annoying, but. I was kind of answering this uh, in my own mind as I was writing it, but this is on expectations on something that, that you had said, Colonel. If we never quite get to the line of expectations, then why, besides the eternal resting place, should we strive so hard to please him? If he loves us so, is it because of his word or is it just our spirit? It's a good question. I'll try to answer that in just a guy from Iowa. That's too deep for me. <laughs> Here's what I believe. Uh, it, it, that um, because he loves us so much, there will always be that gap. He wants us to draw even closer and closer and closer. You know, I don't know what else to say beyond that. I, anybody, any other thought on that? More intimate, becoming more and more intimate all the time. Yeah, that's that's a great question. The other point is that in the scripture, Romans talks about that. Then what then shall we shall we not try to live just because the grace is there? Or do we do we give up and say, okay, just just live life because the grace is there? And he said, and Paul writes for. For heaven's sake, no, because God has so much more for you that you can't even imagine what he has in mind for you. It's, it, 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 you've just scratched the surface on what he has for you as you give yourself to him. I remember this is a little conceptual, and it's trying to draw straight lines. Everything may not be this exaggerated in life. maybe a little bit more like this, right? And so we got all that. This is for exaggeration purposes only, but... Now let me, so let me finish this out real quick and show you uh, where I think this then interprets, how this then kind of lays out what's truly our legacy. So next slide. Somebody read that for me, will you? That's Matthew 25-something. Somebody back here got a... Somebody want to read that? We can't find Matthew. Oh, okay. <laughs> Matty. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord, of your Lord. He also said, or he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over 
a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Thank you. Uh, next slide. Uh, I want to I highlight something here. We're, we're at the end of life. We now are going to look God in the eye. If we follow that path, and if we finish strong, what does he say? Well done, good and faithful what? Servant. Next slide. Go back down to the start point. The whole idea here is when we began this journey, we, men, were called to be the leader. He called us to be a leader to lead us along the path, to trust in him, and that we would lead us and our house along that path. At, at the day of reckoning, when he looks us in the eye, and we've done that well, what's he call us? We're now a servant. I just think that's awesome. And I can't imagine that that day when I get the chance to look him in the eye and he just looks at me and says, well done good and faithful servant. I'm not going to call He's not calling me a leader. He just wanted me to be his servant. He was leading our path. And that becomes our legacy. Now let's take another look, though. Next, the next slide. So, no, uh, back one. Just go to Luke. I, I told you I don't have very good <laughs> vision that way. 11, is it? 13. Luke 13, 24, 25. Can you read that? Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us, then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Here, here is the lesson of the night. If we don't understand that predictable path, if we're not joined together to help one another walk the straight path, if we don't take it as a challenge to lead our kids along that straight path, if we ourselves are not obedient enough and don't accept the grace to return to the path, the day of reckoning comes, he's going to look at us and say, I don't even know you. And I think that's, that's about the saddest piece of Scripture in the Bible. So the, the whole point about our discussion about legacy is the idea that we kind of know what this path looks like. We know we can't stay on that path, that straight path, even though we're told if we just trust in the Lord, if we are obedient, we can follow that. That's the shortest distance a straight line is the shortest distance that he wants us to go to sanctification. And yet, what do we do because of disobedience? We fall off at various levels. Because of the grace of God, we're allowed to return. I believe what, and this group believes, what legacy is, is the reflection of that line and how God sees that line in our life on the day we face him. 
that's what the legacy is. Sure, we, get, we pick up a work ethic from our father. We work, look, I picked up great looks from my mother. Uh, yeah. Got all that. But the, yeah, next slide. <laughs> the, real, the, real, the real point, though, of this is legacy is about that day when we're called and the Lord looks us in the eye and says, well done. That's all we have. That's what it's about. That's the definition of legacy. And we want to understand that we can, it's our own life, but it's the investment in the lives of our children and others that form this legacy. We have a part in all of that. Okay, next slide. So two points and a summary real quick. What do, so what's that call us to do? First, I believe it calls us to replicate the life of Jesus Christ. Going that path means we strive towards that, that holiness to be just like him. And second of all, it's our job to deposit God's love into others. Especially you young guys that are starting to have children and grow families, I guess all of us, to deposit that love, being fully aware of what, that we're broken and that there is a fairly predictable path that we may have to follow. But if we work together and we stay together and we understand this, uh, the straighter that path becomes. Okay, this is the last part. Uh, this is a little bit out of a book by a guy named Steve Farrar. It's called Finishing Strong. If, if there's a recommendation I could make, it's to get that book. It's by Steve Farrar called Finishing Strong. He uses this little moniker called Stay. And let me just describe that for you real quick in five things on one hand. One, how do we, now how do we do all of this? One, stay in the word. Man, it's important. And I think one of the, one of the things I really appreciate about Russell is he's driving us, to, us men, to stay in the word. We've got to be able to get into the Word and stay in it. Be with it all the time. Stay hard in it. Be deliberate about all of that. Number two, stay close to friends. That's what this is all about. Why? Because look at, look at point number two right there. Or look at point number three where we drop off or whatever. Or point four where we need friends to help us to see the grace of God so we can regain our, and be restored to the path. That's where friends come together to help each other out. We know that it's predictable. We know your kid's getting ready to go off to high school or go off to college. It's that time to come together with that other man and talk to him about this and help them. But it's our job before that to present exactly the kind of a path we want to our children. Okay, number three is stay committed to your family. Commitment. Again, we're not always great at that, and we can be torn apart from that fairly easy. Number four, stay away from trouble. We've seen this. I'm talking here primarily about point six up there. Have we seen that in our church? Steve Farrar really says there, stay away from women. I'm just saying stay away from trouble. And that trouble takes the form of a lot of different things. It's that part of our life, and it's something that's very predictable. I remember when I was a lieutenant in the Army, my first captain grabbed me, and he said to me, and I was newly married, and he said, Willis, I want to tell you something right now. Watch out at years 5 and 13, because your eyes will begin to wander. He was right. 
he was kind of laying this out for me in a, you know, in a different form, but he's right. And it was predictable. Finally, stay alert to them. You know, the enemy, uh, he's not all that bright. He's fairly predictable. He's not going to do anything very, very sophisticated. He uses fairly simple tactics to take us out. And not only that, but if you watch this, we can predict when he's going to come. He knows this chart. And he doesn't like that we're talking about this chart. I'll tell you that right now. He hates this because we figured out the plan. So I just, I just want to encourage all of you that... Uh, there is a path, and it, we trust in the Lord. He will define our path for us to the degree that we replicate the life of Jesus and deposit God's love into others. That becomes, on the day when we look him in the eye, that becomes our legacy because he says, well done, good and faithful servant. The end. Go ahead. Tom. Okay. Uh, questions? And you can hit any of these guys. I, I'm done. Mike. Someone got that. I'll, I'll be the runner. All right. Expectations. Everyone's got at least one question. We won't get to all of them, but have one. Who wants to yeah. I'm, I'm sure in your years, uh, you know, Jack, and it sounds like maybe all your stories, you've grown up in the church and you've been exposed as men in the church. I don't know if there's been a lot of things that have changed of what a strong man serving your church family, what that means, or some gems that you've pulled out and you've really found to be, this is what a strong man looks like, serving his church family. But I'd love to hear your hearts on that. Anybody want to address that? You You have the mic. You get the answer. I got the mic. I think what, uh, to answer your question, is kind of gets back to when, when uh, Garvin talked to us at the retreat about finishing strong and about what Ted said last week, cowboy up. Okay? Uh, we men have got to take the, uh, the uh, lead. If you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was the men who led. Who led. God directed it. And God help us if, if we don't, like somebody said, the women will. Okay? It works best when us men lead. Strong men lead. Strong men bubble up to the top. And there are a lot of strong men out here. I see you guys all throughout, th- throughout the church. Okay? You wouldn't be here if you wasn't, wasn't strong. Did we answer your question? Today, in the culture we're living in today, and what, what does that mean for week in and week out? I mean, is it serving on a committee? Is it being an usher? Is it directing traffic in the parking lot? Okay, I, I see one head nod, so I'm glad about that. <laughs> but you know, what does that mean for, for a strong man? I, I'm registering with what you're saying. Lead, men need to lead in the church. But man, what does that look like? Um, I was just thinking about it as you were answering the question, but for me, this model, when Colin brought it in and we first talked about it, 
um, it's, it was kind of empowering, you know, because now that you have a path or a model that you know, hey, I'm not that much different what I've been through or, or my expectations where I'm at, um, you know, is, I'm a little bit behind some of these guys, maybe a little bit ahead of some of the rest of you. But to me, that was really empowering to have that guidance. And for your question, what does that look like for a man? I think, you know, the scripture says to lead your household. But I think it's, all, it's even bigger than that. We were talking about sovereign encounters last week. And I think as long as you're that man and you're striving to stay on that path, every single person you encounter, whether it's at church or just in your day-to-day goings-on, I mean, as long as you're trying to be that man that they want, that God expects you to be to stay on that path to get to the end, um, that's who you're supposed to be as long as, you're, as long as you're living the way that he expects you to. I don't think it's necessarily what you're doing or the, how big it is or how small it is. I mean, I think you can, as, if you're affecting somebody, somebody's always watching you, what you're doing. So, and I think if you encounter somebody and they're on that plateau or they're on one of the downward slopes on that model and, and you're the kind of person that they're looking at and they're saying, I want to be like him, what's, what's he doing? What's different about what he's doing today? And I, I think that's a good way to do it. It's not how big the task is that you're taking on in the group that you're in. Is that... I think what I'd like to do with that is, that's a great question. I think we could even follow up if we get to tables tonight or even next week to kind of further explore that and be curious about that. But I want to try to get to some other questions as well. Is that all right? You okay with that? Let me just say one thing about that quickly. When the guys came to date my daughters, one of the things I'd say to them is, you set the tone. You set the tone. God created a woman to be a responder. That was a godly, creative capability. So if you don't like your way your wife or your girlfriend is responding, then you have to ask, what kind of stimulus am I giving her? What kind of leadership am I providing? Because God has created woman to be a responder to good leadership and build in their hearts someone that will take the lead day in and day out making decisions. I said, don't ask my daughter where you want to go on this day. You come with a plan in mind. You come with the way you're going to do it. And you set the tone for what's going on tonight. Because that's the way God intended it to be. That God would let her respond to your leadership. Every day. No, you want to get on? I'm going to just add one thing. I'll be, instead of being philosophical on this great philosophy that we've developed. It's a chart. Uh, One, uh, remember that the definition of man from God's eyes is different than what we portray it to be on earth. Take the view of what Jesus wants to be as men. Uh, A few things that I think. One is pray. And that's not manly. It wasn't in my house. But that's where the, I think the most important thing you can do in your, is for your family to see you bowing your head. Number two, I think it's reading the Bible. Your family to see you reading the Bible and you reading the Bible with them. 
Number three, it's your language. One of the first things I committed to when I turned to Christ, that where people would see the change in Colin Willis was my language. Stop the foul language. Stop, I mean, just being very practical, stop the foul language. Now let's even get a little bit more deeper. I think it's important to pray with your wife. And that's a, that's a leadership manly thing. Again, in my house, that wasn't going to happen, man. That ain't going to happen. My dad, would, my, that would never happen. But as I saw the definition of man, my, my, my dad was a, looked a lot like Ted Severn. We, he, was a, he was a stud. But he lived that. He lived that in all ways of life and was never showed love towards my wife, to my mother or to what. It was all about that image of man on earth. I think another one that I do, and I don't know that this is doctrinally correct or not, and this is something you'll have to figure out in your own where you are in life, but we do communion at our house, and I lead it. You may not believe in doing that. I mean, it's kind of where you're raised. But I believe that's okay. And I lead that. Um, I've even told my, uh, the last one that I do, I've told my kids that the other example will be when you tithe because you're giving your first and your best. And it's very important and very visible at my house when I sit and pray and write my check. And I make it a visible contribution in that white bucket that we send around in the movie theater or in the living room. <laughs> that's, that's very important. That's a manly thing to do to lead your household, to see your family to see you pray over it, think about it as your, first, as your first offering and blessing to the Lord, and for you, Father, to put it in the bucket. I, those are little practical things. I don't know if that's what you're kind of interested in. But that changed me from a guy who was concerned about what everybody else thought about me as a man to what it was like to be a man in my household. And I think that's what Jesus wants me to be, to kind of be. I'm, am I doing it well? I don't know. I'm not doing it perfect by any means. But I did make some very intentional, deliberate steps to turn that way. And when you make that deliberate and intentional turn, turn towards him and turn towards that path, it's very noticeable in the household. So, if that'll help. I don't know if that helps, but, sir. What, what were some of the greatest uh, battles or obstacles that you all may have faced as you were striving towards that mark of uh, sanctification? I believe, uh, by looking at the chart, there's a lot of scripture that goes with that. You can, um, Psalm 23, you can do uh, Matthew 13. But Satan's there going to try to trip you up every time, you know, uh, especially, you know, men. Because, you know, we are called to be the servant, the servant and the leaders and servants and everything, you know, and to lead our families. And, and there's so many distractions that Satan uses, lies, deception that he'll use to trip us up. And, uh, but I've learned, you know, through the years, I, this is my halfway point because my first... Uh, 30 and a half years were living for the devil and lost in religion and everything else. And I got saved in 82, you know. And, and since then, I made a choice. And there was another scripture that God gave me. And, and it's always a scripture that's gonna, that's gonna, that you're going to relate to God with, that he gives you, the Holy Spirit gives you. 
And mine was Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And he knows what to give you, you know. And that's what we got to do is just trust in him and, and seek his righteousness and, and, and try to be walk that, that path that leads to, uh, you know, sanctification and justification. So hope that answered your question. Let me respond to that once. I think uh, probably my biggest uh, challenge is, is becoming lukewarm. Periods of lukewarmness. Um, that's what I've had to battle. And thank God I was led to this church. Uh, the church I grew up in uh, did not really believe in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke, spoke to me on the East German border and the army that he had a Holy Spirit. And I had to find a place that honored the Holy Spirit. And I left that church. My family was not very happy about that. Okay? But I think the biggest challenge is fighting lukewarmness. And it can lead to a lot of bad things. Um, how do we preserve our need for private time with God in study and prayer and balance that with shared study and prayer time with our wife? Well, I found it's a whole lot easier since I retired. <laughs> uh, man, I get up every morning and uh, spend time in the Word, and my wife does too, and we pray together. And it's a priority, and you just have to make time for it. Uh, everybody in this room is really, really busy. There's just no question about it. We've got plenty of things to do, but you've got to make time for the things that are important. Well, I, I have to tell you that in my well, experience, I, I, I wasn't real good say at something? it. Uh, do you go to bed before your wife, or you, you, you go to the same time, or is she a night person? Are you a morning person? You've got to find out patterns in your marital situation where if you can get up before she does, that helps. Or if you, if you go to bed after she does, that helps. If you're driving long distance by yourself in the car, that helps. So any time where you're by yourself and have solitude, is then that's your, your time, your time. Yeah, I'll, I'll add, too, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. It's harder than we, we're going to give it credit to at the surface. What I, what I tried to do, I remember this. Uh, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm, I'm thinking mind, body, and soul. I'm going I'm to do PT. and I'm gonna, I, did, I got on this kick of doing PT physical training, and prayer time. And I decided I was going to allocate 30 minutes or whatever it was to each of those. What the Lord told me was, it's not about the time. It's commitment to do it each day. And sometimes I would go and I'd pray and I'd kind of stumble around and he'd say, okay, I got it. 
And it wasn't that I was praying for a half an hour and got credit for the half hour. It was that I showed up that day to pray with him. And that relieved me of the idea that I was under pressure to be praying with him at 6.30 every morning to 7. Now, sometimes I go from 6.30 to 9 because I needed to be there. You know what I mean? But that really relieved me when I just, uh, the commitment is that I'm going to pray with him every day. And I'm going to do it, try to do it every morning at 6.30. But I'm not, I'm not required to be there with him for an hour. And I'll tell you, I pray a lot at the stoplights. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest. I stop in the middle of the day, I've got a Bible on my desk, and I just can't stand anymore. i guess just got to put my feet up and close my door. And if people see me, I okay. That's okay. See me. Pray. So, and, I, and there's another point in the workplace. Don't be afraid. Be bold and show that. I, I am. <laughs> so, please. Yeah, so just come into the last part. I have a, a, a point to make, and then we're going to let one of the guys close us in prayer. Everyone turn around and see what happened. <laughs> all right, so we're all good. Um, I think that when we start back up, right, in the fall, I think the legacy table is going to be very full. <laughs> you guys have showcased what you guys have been working on. If we're still around. Yeah, if you're still around. Yeah, those of you that are still kicking. That's exactly right. One of the things I hear in what these guys are saying is be on purpose. So if you're going to pray, pray on purpose. Right? Absolutely. That's really sticking home with me. And then you guys have... Yeah, and it's a decision. Yeah, so there's some, there's some intentionality around that. You guys have probably have heard this before. It says, the impact of your life is determined by your dash. You guys heard that before? So on your tombstone, you have the, the year that you were born and the year that you died, and there's that dash in between. So someone else told me that, I'm like, and I haven't forgotten it. But they said, when you die, they'll indicate on your tomb your birth, your, in the, your death separated by a dash. This dash is your life, what you did, how you lived, whose lives you touched. The more purposefully engaged you are in helping others, the deeper and finer and more memorable is your dash. And so there's something about being on purpose. And I love, Colonel, just how you bottom line that of being the word and pray. But where you raised the bar for me was, and do it where they can see you. That, uh, that's really landing for me. So I know that we only got to two or three questions. The night went fast. I can't believe it's 831. So we're going to kind of close in prayer. Feel free to hang around. I'm sure it's way past these guys' bedtime, I'm sure, right? <laughs> but if, if you could keep them awake, I'm sure they could stick around to answer some, few, some more questions for us. So go ahead and close us in prayer. Lord, we are thankful that all of us are on a journey. And, Father, we want to, at, at the end of our life, hear those words, well done. Faith, uh, good and faithful servant. And Lord, um, we want to please you because you've chosen us, you love us, you want us to do uh, exceedingly and abundantly more than what we expect in our lives. We thank you for the guys that you brought around us. We thank you for the relationships that are being, are being built uh, Wednesday nights. We thank you for the friendships. We thank you, Lord, that we can be a model, an example for those to follow us, whether they're blood relatives or people that we associate at the office, at school, or wherever we are. So, Lord, we pray that 
something sticks tonight that um, was shared by us guys. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but Lord, we trust you, and we want to be the kind of guys and men that you're proud of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.